Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 518. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton. And today I am thrilled to introduce you to our guest, Ann Sugar from Ann Sugar Coaching and Consulting. Ann hasn't always been an entrepreneur and she worked in advertising agencies for 18 years where she helped to build large media departments in such agencies as Y&R and Digitas. And now she has her own coaching and consulting company where she uses the leadership skills she learned in selling while marrying that with the approaches of building a business. I love that. And I'm so happy to have you here. And I can't wait to just see where our conversation goes. Oh, thanks, Kim. I can't wait to talk to you today either. Listeners, I have just spent two weeks away from the microphone. I was telling Anne in, in our pre-chat that I digested, is digested the right word, Anne? Six gigabytes of podcasts by other people. That is impressive. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of interesting podcasts you listen to. And one of the episodes, I just had to throw this out there. I Oh, this is embarrassing to admit. I don't even remember whose podcast it was, but I heard Mike O'Neill from... from solo. Oh, okay. Listeners, just pretend I didn't even try to remember what podcast he's from either because I should know that. But he was telling about the proper way to introduce guests, which I thought was just so amazing because I don't know that there is a right or wrong way. But Anne, forgive Mm. me, but you were the first person that I've actually done an extended introduction to. And now I've just eaten up like the five minutes (laughs) that would have normally taken. But I would love to know more about your story. I mean, how did you decide to make the transition from your 18 years in the large media departments to starting your own company? Uh, So, you know, it's interesting. I started in advertising back in the 80s. So I worked on the launch, one of the pieces of the launch of the Apple computer. Yes, I'm dating myself. Oh, my gosh. For Apple and American Express. And, you know, the thing I, the interesting thing is I always wanted to be in advertising and the creativity piece of it, living in New York. And there was, and I love working on teams and I love managing people. I managed um, at one point a media department of 75 folks. And I think, you know, and I coach this with a lot of people and I talk about this with a lot of people that we all have multiple careers, you know, and, and multiple things that we do across our lives. And for me, Uh, you know, I just had this gut feeling. And it kind of started to bubble up more and more that advertising for me, I I was starting to not be as happy as I was, right. And I didn't feel I didn't feel as creative anymore. And, you know, 18 years in client service, it's a long time. And I Six love years my is a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I too, I learned so much from advertising in terms of how to sell, how to talk to a client, how to read a room, how to, you know, present from the perspective that there's theater to it, right? That all those chemistry things, all of that. 
But there was just this gut feeling, right, that was kind of eating at me. And it's a very long story, but the net of it was I really needed to start thinking about what made me happiest in advertising. And the thing that made me the happiest was mentoring my team, seeing them promoted. And I actually saw an executive coach. And over time, you know, I decided that, you know, it was the people piece. And she said to me, well, why not try coaching a friend and see what happens? And so for me, I, I'm one of those people that I ripped a Band-Aid. And long story short, I went back to school, got certified as an executive coach, you know, and I have all the certifications and, you know, Myers-Briggs and all of that good stuff. So that's really the story of how I made the switch. Oh, I'm so just fascinated right now because I just spent two days in intensive coaching with my coach. And one of my long-term goals is actually to build my team. And one of my good friends was there and she's she's a really fantastic project manager, but she doesn't like managing people. And that's where we differ because I love building my team. I love teaching them whatever they want to learn or encouraging mm-hmm. them to learn whatever they want to learn. And we actually call ourselves Team Awesome. I don't consider them to be working for me. They're working with me. Yeah. And I feel in my gut that as long as it doesn't change from that, and as long as I keep on building my team with people who are in the same mindset as I am, yeah. which I know it can be difficult, then we're going to be amazingly fantastic as we keep on growing. And when I shared how many people I'd love to get up to, originally it was the end of next year, maybe it's the end of the year after that, a team of 70. Ah. I just, because I want to be supporting soul-centered entrepreneurs worldwide. And I can't do mm-hmm. it myself, but I can sure as heck build a fantastic team that can. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but as long as there's communication and there's encouragement, can you share a little bit? I've heard executive coaching a lot, mm-hmm. but I would love to know more and how that differs from maybe business coaching. Sure. So can I just go back for one second? Something that you talked about that I think is really important for your listeners is what you're talking about is culture and values, right? And mm-hmm. almost what your mission is, right? That you, it's all about team. It's all about building on people's strengths. So it's for everybody, I think, as a leader or you're building your own business, having the clarity about what's important to you and not deviating from from that kind of that, you know, true north piece. So I commend you on that. That's you know, and you've defined it. You know what type of people you want. You know what type of culture you want in your company. So thank you. Yeah, and I've I think let it's them know for all the listeners. Yeah, it so is. I've let my team know that if what they're working on, because I I do bring on, and I'd love to get your opinion on this too. I told you I can go in about a gazillion different directions. I bring on people who are relatively green or new uh-huh. to the virtual assistant space, and then I help them grow to where they want to go. But a lot of them don't even know anything about virtual assistants. And that is completely fine with me because I'd love to help them discover what they love. And I tell them, you know, we're going to start here. Mm -hmm. But if you get bored and you see other stuff going on, then let me know if you want to work on it and learn more. Because I, there is nothing worse to me than being bored with what we're doing. 
Yes. I mean, that's not saying that we don't all have to do things in any given day that may bore us just a little bit. Mm-hmm. But maybe there's opportunity to delegate that in the future. I finally got rid of my bookkeeping. Oh, good for you. I mean, about six years too late. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And managing my inbox, that is finally out of my hands. But that's not necessarily the boring stuff. I mean, I'm my inbox had to be taken out of my hands because it's dangerous. I mean, how many hours can I spend in there? Number one. And shiny object syndrome galore i'm like just delete the stuff we have our wish list right now we know what we need to buy and everything else it's going to stay out of kim's face (laughs) (laughs) you mean that nordstrom email right yeah it's it's actually kate spade right now (laughs) okay (laughs) i and if you don't mind me just deviating again my husband knew that on my bucket list when we met eight years ago i had i wanted to buy a prada bag Oh, good. Oh, yes. Yes. Well, I, I don't have a Prada bag, but the business has been doing really well. And he said to me a couple of weeks ago, he's like, maybe you're going to be able to get your Prada bag soon. And I said, you know what? I don't want a Prada bag anymore. I said, I want a Kate Spade bag so I can be talking about the importance of mental health. He's uh-huh. like, oh, that's good. I like that. So now I get Kate Spade. And I know she wasn't the owner of the company when she died. But now I get her emails or their emails once a, once a week. And I'm like, ooh. Ooh, okay, but delete those right now. Don't unsubscribe, <laughs> but just delete those. <laughs> so why not get a Prada and a Kate's Bay bag? So because I have, I have three-year-old twins and a five-year-old. <laughs> but maybe when the the three and five-year-old girls are old enough to not walk off with Mama's Prada bag, then maybe. Oh, uh, there you go. Mm-hmm. And all these so, cats. Oh, that's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. So let me circle back for a minute. I think that you bring up, so well, I know that you bring up a really important point, Kim, and that is about learning. And it's interesting, and I'll get to the point about, so what's the difference between executive coaching and business coaching? People ask me a lot. Okay, so tell me, because I coach a lot of very successful senior leaders, what makes a successful leader and how and why? And I think it's not a sexy thing that I talk about, right? And that is, are you continuously learning? And one piece that I see very successful leaders focus on is reading and always learning. So, you know, and what we're all talking about when we think about somebody being successful or growing their business is, am I always learning? Am I challenging myself? Am I doing something that's a little scary? let's say. So, you know, I think that's important too, is when you're interviewing somebody to come on in your company, how do you interview them to figure out if they're somebody who wants to learn? Because that's who you want Mm. on your team. You know, that's not a question on the application right now. But I Mm. might have to add, well, not might, I have to add that. Some, a guest in the, whenever I was last chatting on for the podcast, I was sharing that one of the questions in my application is impact or income, because I just wanted to know which one they were, would choose. Uh, and I'm sorry to the guest who challenged me, but it was amazing. I just don't remember who you were said, well, why do they have to choose one or the other? Uh, and I was like, Oh, yeah. that was a huge revelation for me over the last three weeks. And it just keeps on coming back and hitting me in the face over and over again. Like, why do you have to choose? You don't have to choose. No, you could take that to learning too. Mm -hmm. Why do you have to choose? Right. 
right? So, for example, this is a, this is just an interesting aside. When I was young, used to write poetry, and I hadn't written poetry in years. And I thought, ah, you know what? I'm going to go back and take a class and start start writing poetry again and learning again on that front. Just so it can just be your passion too. Doesn't have to be, you know, something as concrete as how to motivate a team. Oh, absolutely. It, it just be something interesting on the side because it's it's all about ho- it too. Hobbies and trying new things just makes you a more it makes it interesting that you can apply. Absolutely, and I find that when I actually give myself the time which isn't often enough to engage in my hobbies, then it usually happens when I get into it, then I get about 10,000 more ideas. Yeah. And I don't know if you know, but I have chronic idea disorder. Oh, no. So, yeah. So ideas can be dangerous. So how do you record them all? Where do you do with them? I'm just... Well, they used to just stay in my head and drive me nuts. Oh. But now my team and I use teamwork and my my own project manager actually set up a project called chronic idea disorder. And I just go in there and when my head feels like it's about to burst, I should actually do it more often. I just get everything out into a notebook in there and then she'll start making tasks or creating future projects so that we can just keep it all straight. But at least it's not in my head Mm -hmm. distracting me from everything else I have going on anymore. Right. Right. And I need to get it all out because there are days that I feel like my to-do list is 50 items long when it should be, in my opinion, three to five items. But if I keep it Mm -hmm. all in my head, then I try to do it all. Mm. So, okay, I I have one more question. The idea generation piece, because this comes up a lot, too, with leaders and owners of companies. How would you teach somebody creativity and idea generation? There's just, you know, or is it not teachable? That's a really interesting question. I've never thought about that before, but I don't know that it is teachable because, oh, I'm just going to use the example of my two husbands. Listeners, if this is your first episode, I am not married to two different people. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Husband was not creative at all, except for in the kitchen. And I don't, I don't know that he had a creative particle about him, except for in the kitchen. Which I'm saying, mm. that's a lot because I burn every meal. <laughs> but my amazing husband now, hopefully forever, is amazingly creative. And I, he also has chronic idea disorder. He's a game developer and he is constantly coming up with new game ideas. And mm-hmm. he's sort of in the same boat as I am. He'll, he'll try to work on 15 games at the same time. And I think we both realized at the same time, wait Let's get one thing finished at a time. I mean, he he called me out at the beginning. He's like, you're starting another. I'm a knitter. That's my hobby. He's like, you're starting another project. But what about that sweater that you started knitting for me three years ago? (laughs) (laughs) So we really had to make a concerted effort to just get one thing done at a time. But I, I don't know. In your opinion, can creativity be taught? I think it can be. I think that we all have, we all are creative with something, right? And it's, you know, Steve Jobs always talked about, you know, when you read about what he talks about in terms of creativity, that it's really just finding the interesting connections, right? And I think, 
when I was in advertising and we'd sit in a brainstorming meeting, everybody has an idea. True. You know, Mm -hmm. my idea might not be the most creative, but I think there's little games and tips and tricks that you can teach yourself to Mm. be more creative. I mean, obviously, for some people, it's more of a strength than for others. Right. But I think, you know, if you look at every child, I go back to the point of every child is creative, right? Mm -hmm. It's just very different degrees of it. And when do we stop kind of letting that in or out, I think. Right. I think it's interesting that you bring up children because I know some children, their creativity is squashed. You know, maybe Mm -hmm. what they do isn't what they're supposed to be doing. I mean, I'm looking around my office right now and the wall that I'm staring at has an array of colored pencils, crayons, and other (laughs) utensils that I shouldn't have drawn on it. And the only room in my house that does not have it on it is my bedroom, my husband and my bedroom. Yep. But we don't. We don't yell at them. I mean, we, we say, could you try using paper? But, you know, it's never been an issue. My husband and I both have tattoos. So uh-huh. our five-year-old, when she was two or three, decided to decorate her baby doll with tattoos. Oh. But we think, you know, we love it because it's her being creative. Uh-huh. It was her baby doll. Just less two weeks ago, they actually, they have a brown-haired Barbie doll. And they've been watching The Greatest Showman, and they decided to turn the brown-haired baby doll into the bearded lady. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Which I thought was amazing. Yeah. I love yeah. that. I'm not going to tell them they can't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, too, I think that gets to the point, so when you're in meetings, right, and this happens a lot, we all want to be the smartest person in the room. And... So sometimes that means we hold back and you don't, and you, you know, or the leader doesn't, or the owner, or, you know, you, I don't want to share that idea because the owner might not think it's a great idea, right? But that's the hard part. How do you just, you know, we all don't need to be the smartest person in the room all the time. It's better to say something than nothing in terms of that idea. Because who knows? They could spur somebody else on for another creative idea. So, so I, have a, I love that, that it's better to say something than nothing. Mm-hmm. But if you were dealing with an executive who had a team member who always had to say something, like interject on in every yeah. single point, mm-hmm. does there come a point when saying something just gets to be too much? Absolutely. You're 100% right. And to me, that's overusing a strength. So when I'm coaching somebody to, let's say you're in a senior leadership meeting and you're not contributing enough and people think, why are you in this meeting? Because you're not contributing, but you have all these great ideas. There's some activities that you can, that I coach people on to do. So you can overuse it. Absolutely. And then it starts, you know, you're, you want to be the smartest guy in the room or you know, always have something to say. It kind of becomes this, no, you become this noise of wah, 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 wah. Nobody listens to you anymore because mm-hmm. you're ever using the strength. But on the other side, if you're not sharing your ideas, then that's, you know, that's an issue too. Absolutely. And, and that's when I say sharing something is better than nothing. Be the person. So to help people. If you're not sharing enough ideas, 
think about it from this perspective. Two things to think about. Be the first person always to say something. If you say something first, it almost kind of rips the Band-Aid off, and then you're able to share more. Mm. Or two, and I think this gets into something that I've been coaching on a lot lately, and it's about positive intent and the assumptions that we make. Even if the I, we assume that everybody's going to think that idea is dumb or you know fruitless or whatever, but tomorrow nobody's going to remember that. And you're telling yourself a story of what other people think when you don't know when you don't know you. So you've made these assumptions that hurts your confidence. Then you don't say anything. So it's kind of this build. So many people self sabotage themselves like that. Absolutely. Assumptions and the stories we tell ourselves mm-hmm. are huge self-sabotagers in terms of confidence, how we share. I mean, there's so many studies on that. Yeah, I had to deal with that myself or not deal with, but work with myself on that because I was afraid for the longest time to put my own products out there mm-hmm. because I was afraid Number one, people wouldn't like them. Number two, how do I, I'm trying, well, going back to the impact versus income, Mm -hmm. I wasn't, you know, I want to make an impact, but it didn't feel right to be selling products. Come on, people, we're in business to make money because we have to pay our bills and we can make an impact and make an income at the same time. Mm -hmm. Agreed completely. And, you know, I think there's this interesting line too, right, of when we think about people who are putting things out there in terms of just like you, it's living in the uncomfortable, right? And that's a really thin line that we all have these great ideas, but putting them out there means we're going to live with the uncomfortable or, you know, speaking up in a meeting when it may not be the most popular idea or it might be darn, you know, crazy idea. Mm-hmm. It's better just how can you live in the uncomfortable right? and be okay with that and almost kind of, you know, brush it off. Who cares? I was sharing with you in the pre-chat that at this event that I was at, I admitted that my own marketing funnel is broken and that's what I do for clients all day. But part of the reason why my marketing funnel is broken was because I was afraid to put any more in there. Like, how are people going to react when I start selling them stuff? Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. maybe I need to take a different approach. Maybe it's not necessarily selling them stuff, but offering them a product or service that they could benefit from and giving them value. Right. But they joined my list for a reason. So let's let's help them further. Let's impact them further by offering them another product or service. Ooh, I'm going to have to go back and listen to that again because I don't like sales. But now that I've, that's the first time I've thought about it in that light. So, so what you're saying, if, if I was going to coach you on this is it's changing your viewpoint of how you put things out there mm-hmm. in terms of, and, and this is the way people, all people need to think about it is what's the value that I'm bringing. Right. And people talk about, you know, people, leaders think about this all the time. Well, I want to do that project or I want to get promoted or whatever that is. But at the end of the day, you have to think about why is it good for the company? Not why is it good for me, 
but why is it good for the company? So those products are all about the value that you bring your clients. Absolutely. And if we hold ourselves back and don't do it, then how are we helping? Right. And I think that's a great, you know, that's such a great word is help, right? I was about to ask you how you felt about the word help. You know, that's interesting, right? Because if you think about it, help has so many different connotations to it. Good and bad. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I think, so I come with it. I come to that word with a bias, first off. Because in advertising, I grew up in advertising, which is, I deem it, and this is just my humble opinion as a team sport. So I consider business a team sport. Team sport is, you know, when we were putting a plan together, it was all about helping each other out to create this plan that would be amazing for the client. Yeah. So that's the way I come at looking at the word help. So I look at it from a team perspective. Hmm. I was at an event last year where people were asked to get up and share what they do. And a lot mm-hmm. of people said they help. And one of the cha- one of the questions that was posed upon them, that's not the right way of saying it, but I think you understand what I'm trying to say is, mm-hmm. well, are you giving it away for free? Oh. I was like, that's an interesting question in return to the word help. So I actually had help in a whole lot of my messaging. So I changed it to empower. And I'm not loving empower i'm still looking for the word mm-hmm. now i mm-hmm. have a family guy in my head word 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 that is not what i need in my head today but yeah i hope can sometimes indicate free but it's not necessarily it doesn't have to be no yeah no you know that's an interesting point and i think so what you're also getting to which i think is so important for everybody to think about is how do you get even more specific in your word choice? So, so I do a lot of writing as well. And, you know, help while a good word, what's something that makes it even more specific? Like you said, empower. So I wonder, you know, to, you know, how do you take that down? That specificity is what makes people unique when we think about, so what's your brand or what do you, how do I sell myself or how do I think about the culture of my company or my group or whatever that is, is how can you get even more specific? And it's tiring to get that way and it's detailed. But, you know, I've learned from doing a lot of writing, it's about how specific can I get? I know you like to read, and I have a feeling you may know him in the book, but Lingo, Jeffrey Shaw? No, I actually don't. Okay. See, that was an assumption based on the person who introduced us, but Lingo by Jeffrey Shaw is all about speed. Oh, yes. I know his books. I'm sorry. Oh, yes. no, that's a, I didn't mean that that could have come out wrong, but Lingo, listeners, is about speaking the secret language of your perfect prospects. That might not be the yes. proper subtitle that's his that's his point of view yes yes and I had met I when I was reading through it I was like whoa because there were things there were just aha moments all the way through from 
the words that we use, to the font that we use, to whether or not we put a dollar sign in front of our price, to whether or not we even put our price on our site. You know, what value are we putting out there for the products and services we offer? And how are we communicating it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've never given Wait, so much great. thought to it before. Yes. And it all kind of boils down to what's your brand? Mm-hmm. What do you want to stand for? And Jeff is very good at that. Yes. What is your favorite part of what you do? And do you consider it a job? My favorite part for when I coach folks, I look at it this way, is the favorite part for me is I'm your partner. And I am here to partner with you and help you to be the best leader you can be. And I know that's very simplistic, but I'm a simple person. I like the simple. And it's, you know, we all don't have to have these big aha moments in life, right? But just, I think a lot of it is the little details and these little wins that are so exciting. Do you think people get caught up? This is making a generalization in the big wins and forget about the little ones. Oh, absolutely. We all think, I don't know why I'm bringing up a baseball analogy, but we all think that we should be hitting a home run Mm -hmm. every single time. Absolutely. It's not feasible, impossible. It's not feasible to win every single client engagement. It's not feasible to have every single meeting that you lead to be the best you can be. And, you know, I look at it this way too. When I coach leaders, I'm not going to ask the best question every single time. That's okay. Me neither. Listen to listeners, just go back and listen to some episodes. I definitely don't. My husband and I, because we hadn't barely seen each other in a week, we were up late talking last night and we were actually talking about regrets. We weren't having a fight. I just need to put that out there. But I was sharing how we can have regrets or we can look back at how maybe choices that we wish that we hadn't made actually brought us to where we are now. Mm, and I brought, up, I brought up the example of husband number one. If I hadn't been married to him, then I wouldn't have moved to Ohio and I wouldn't have met him oh, or have yes. my two older kids. You know, so everything happens for a reason. We can't, I, in my opinion, we have to find the wins even in our messes and in our mistakes, because they've all taught us something. If I hadn't gone through sleep deprivation like I did, then I wouldn't have nearly as much content for the podcast, because now I'm talking about systems and support so that we can Mm -hmm. sleep. Right, right. And I think what you're also bringing up, because people talk about this too a lot, is we all want to have a plan. We're going to be we're going to be, you know, a supervisor, then a director, then the VP, then the SVP. Life doesn't work that way. You know, there's, it's, it's a lattice when we think about our careers, but also I've coached in numerous executives and you know, an interesting topic that they bring up is about serendipity and just letting their careers kind of go sometimes. Doesn't have to be this perfect linear process but we just kind of let it go but the underpinning of that is they all work really hard mm. Again, I love not serendipity. very sexy no but, but <laughs> I, I do think serendipity is sexy though 
because oh, we don't I know. I was talking about hard work. Hard oh. work isn't. Yeah. But that's the under, I personally believe that that's part of the underpinning of serendipity. Mm. Yeah, I agree. So going back to plan, though, I have to ask, mm-hmm. how far out, if you do plan, do you plan? Uh, so what I'd like to really focus on, I, I'm not a five-year plan. I don't recommend people have a five-year plan. I don't even recommend them having a three-year plan or, you know, you could have a one-year plan. I'm big on three-month plans. Every three months, you have a goal and a plan. Then you move on to your next three months and you build on that and you build on that. I love that. Bite-sized chunks. Mm-hmm. I usually go off 90-day plans, but it in this coaching we were taken through a four month planning process because that's when we'll meet up again. Mm-hmm. So it was throwing me off the whole time because I, I'm so used to 90 day plans, oh. <laughs> but I, even the 90 or, well, I'll, let me just be serious. Even a 90 day plan often doesn't go as I expect, but I right. realized that I need to give myself grace because well, 90 day plans often don't go how their quote supposed to go for mm-hmm. two reasons. One, because in the past, I've lacked the confidence to actually go follow through on what I had planned. Or number two, something else came up, chronic idea disorder interjected, and I got distracted and moved on to something else. Mm-hmm. I so, want just once to stick to a plan. <laughs> <laughs> or, well, so maybe try a month. Mm-hmm. What would happen in a month? And I think you also bring up such a good point, Kim, is that is being not kinder to ourselves, but how, you know, it's not going to be perfect. Oh, no. When I speak to people about as people are making changes, when I'm coaching them, I always say to them, remember, when you're making this change, let's say how I communicate in a meeting, or how I motivate my team, it's going to be clunky for a while. And it's almost like writing with your non-dominant hand. So be gentle on yourself in terms of how you think about success or not success. Absolutely. About the same time that I was introduced to Brendan Burchard. Oh, I should probably give listeners a little backstory. We were talking about Brendan Burchard before we started recording. I was also introduced to Danielle Laporte and the Desired Map. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Mm -hmm. I completely shifted how I was creating goals. And a lot of it, I stopped worrying about the timeline because I... I realized, you know, this is going to get done when it's supposed to get done and the message will get out there when there's somebody ready to hear it. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily about who else is out there, but it's about me. And that might sound a little bit selfish, but how about focusing on getting it out when you feel good about it rather Mm -hmm. than forcing yourself to meet a deadline just because the deadline's there. And I know corporations have different, I mean, when the iPhone's supposed to launch and people are waiting in lines going three miles long... You know, it better be there. <laughs> yes, it better have shipped. Yes, but I have a planner. I've been, I don't like the word try, but trying to launch for two years, but it's just not ready yet. Every time I look at it, I see a little bit something that I want to do. And it's an undated planner, thank goodness. And mm-hmm. I know that when it gets out there, it will be what I'm thrilled with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I've given, given myself grace. It's now two years late, but that's okay with me. Right. <laughs> Hopefully in the next year. Same with writing my book. What is your big little wins from recently? From recent? Uh, my personal big little wins? Mm-hmm. 
Let's see. Oh, here's one. And this is about a client that I have, and he's been working very hard on some goals. And I got some unsolicited feedback from some very senior leaders that they noticed all the good work that he's doing. So that that is, you know, I, I celebrate that. I celebrate something like that. That's absolutely amazing. How do you feel about the words hustle and grind? Hmm. I I think that they have they have a lot in common. Here here's my thought. Hustle and grind are important because a lot of times we give up, right, on a certain project or whatever. So I'll tell you this kind of interesting story here about hustle and grind in that I wanted a, a piece that I thought was really important. I wanted to have it published. And my editor was working with me on it. And I had, <laughs> this is horrible. This was my first piece out ever, which hasn't been this way since. It took me 12 edits, 12 big, long edits to get that out. And hustle and grind have a lot to do with persistence to me and how much you want something out there. Mm. So that was grind and hustle for me. You got me thinking about the planner. Like by the time it goes out, there's going to be 12 edits. But you're right. It's about persistence because I could have given up on it like 18 months ago. Yes. Yes. And I I look at my daughter and, you know, I look at how... So SSATs are coming up, right? And for an eighth grade. And, you know, she has been working really hard. And it's the persistence. It doesn't always have to be about talent. I'm not, and I'm not talking about her now. But, you know, I I saw her hustle and grind to be persistent on this. And now I take it to another point when I think about other executives out there. It is about persistence, grind, and, and hustle, Because it doesn't always have to be about who's the most intelligent person in the room or the smartest person in the room, kind of circling back to where we started. So, Oh, I completely agree. I have so many mentors who may or may not have even graduated high school, but they're absolutely brilliant. Mm -hmm. Just because their report card didn't show it doesn't mean that they're not. Right. And that X factor is persistence. Mm Mm-hmm. Because 95% of everybody drops off, but I was not going to be denied. (laughs) 12 minutes later, it was published. So, (laughs) Well, congratulations on that. And what is the number one item on your bucket list right now that has not been checked off? Mm. So, you know what? I think it has to do with family travel. I have a 13-year-old and my goodness, high school, you know, she's going to be finishing up middle school and high school's coming. I think bucket list for me is traveling with my family, mm. the three of us, you know, just exploring new and different things. That's a big bucket list thing for me. Where would you like to go? I think it's the experiences outside of our own culture. So going to Europe doing, you know, one year, a couple of years ago, we went to Iceland 
And it's a memorable trip that the three of us will never forget about just how different the topography is, you know, hiking on the glacier, just incredible. Wow. Wow. So actually that's for the four month goals. I originally set an income goal and I was challenged. I was because everybody knew there that I have five kids and my husband and I, I want to speak. I want to finish my book. And somebody said, mm-hmm. well, where's your family and speaking in here? And I actually felt pretty bad. <laughs> I was like, Aww. because I started thinking about all the time that I spend working and I'm working to support the family, but where's the family in the work? They're not. So I changed it. I was like, my new goal is we are going to Disney in February as a family. So I love that you said travel. And then maybe we'll go out. My husband and I still need updated passports. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I don't want to think about work. passport for kids. Oh, I know. <laughs> like, you're just getting that's them to a... sit still for a picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. right. Yeah. What are you reading right now? What am I reading? Oh, hmm. I, I read a lot of different books all at once. So let's see, I can tell you one interesting book that I'm just starting to read that I find really fascinating is Stephen Johnson, and it's Where Good Ideas Come From. Oh, you know, I'm going to have to read that one. Oh, it's, it's great, you know, and it's really about that we all are creative. We all have these great ideas that can come from anywhere. Let's see, I am reading Shoe Dog right now, the autobiography of Phil Knight. Very interesting when you think about persistence, about how he started Nike. And let's see. And I like to read fiction, too. I like to read young adult fiction sometimes. It's just good to to mix it up, too. So um, I'm trying to think one there. But that's kind of... I'd like to read that combination of fiction and business books. I love that. Full transparency, I'm trying to work my way finally through the Fifty Shades series. Oh. <laughs> I don't think I've ever admitted that on the podcast before. But when I'm not reading business books, you know, I'm gone through the Harry Potter series and the Twilight series. And yeah. my son now has the I know it's not called Game of Thrones, but whatever that series is called, I want to read that because I want to know how it differs from the oh, right. from the show. I always like to read the book before I will watch the movie or the show, but mm-hmm. that one was a mm-hmm. little bit backwards. I didn't even know it was out there. Plus, they're so thick, but I love thick books. I came home from my trip and I found the book It on the counter and I told them to move it because I didn't even want to be scared by the picture of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not a horror person. Uh. No, I'm not really either. Do you have a routine in your day? A self-care routine? I'm embarrassed to say not really. The two things that I do, well, three things that I try to do really are, I try to do some sort of exercise every day, stretch, whatever that is. Meditate. I coach a lot of folks, even two minutes a day, meditate and write something in a journal. But it's not every day. I try. But that's that's really about my self-care routine. Do you meditate from your head or from your heart? Oh. I let it be whatever it's supposed to be that mm. day. I just let it be. I love that. So, you know, it could be 
a guided meditation to just sitting quietly. Mm-hmm. How hard is it for you to sit quietly? Oh, it's terribly hard. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. But that's the point. <laughs> I tried for the longest time to meditate and I kept on hearing quiet your brain, quiet, like a guided meditations. Mm. let the thoughts go through and that didn't work very well for me so now now that I've finally figured it out in the last couple of months what works for me is if I'm going to listen to any part of my body or to, mm-hmm. then actually I focus on my heart and what it's feeling and there's oh. my head has the New York City subway system going through it my heart doesn't so that's why I oh, have to put my go. focus down there yeah so You know, people say, ah, why meditate? But I think what one thing that's so important about meditating is, and it helps from a business perspective, that when you're, you know, you have a trigger or you're really irritated by something, it gives you meditation kind of takes the edge off. I mean, there's many, many other benefits, but now I'm wrapping it back from to a business perspective that it takes the edge off so that you can have that pause before you speak about something you, you know you shouldn't say, right? I'm, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be laughing over here, but I could have used you in my head like a week ago. <laughs> Flying to San Diego, five-hour trip from Chicago, and I was in the middle seat. Ooh. And I think I read it once that basically the middle person has the middle armrests. <laughs> But I had I, elbows from both sides. <laughs> I'm like, this is my space. <laughs> Listeners, you know, I like, I try to be a gentle soul and I'm not confrontational. But I was, by the time I got off that plane, like I, I was using meditation to get me through that flight because oh. I had elbows flying at me from both directions. I was about to both give them both an elbow back. I'm like, this is my space. I, all <laughs> I could think of was dirty dancing the whole flight. This is my space. This is yours. Yeah. Yeah. And this has been absolutely amazing. I've I've loved our chat. I would love to know where listeners can find you online, connect with you, and get to know more. Sure. So there's two ways to really reach me. And the first one is at annsugar.com. So it's A-N-N-E, sugar, S-U-G-A-R.com. And you can sign up at my email. Or also you can follow me on LinkedIn as well because, or connect with me on LinkedIn. I um, send out lots of interesting articles, ideas every day on my LinkedIn feed. So because I'm really about learning for everybody. So that's another way to reach me and also learn. Oh, I love that. You just remind me, actually, I need to get more active on LinkedIn. Listeners, don't forget about the power of LinkedIn, especially if you're in a B2B service space. So many of us can get wrapped up in Facebook when our ideal clients may very well not be on Facebook and they may certainly not be looking for us there. Right. I agree on that front. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can share with listeners? Um, You know, I think the thing that I've been coaching on a lot lately with some folks is positive intent, really thinking about going into a conversation. So it's interesting, this gentleman, very senior, very successful, he talks about I, he focuses on positive intent for all, you know, individuals, meetings, etc. And he gathers data. And that's how he figures out how he uses his gut and how he decides 
ultimately, you know, he gives everybody the benefit of the doubt from a positive intent perspective, but he uses data and gut to make his decisions. So that's parting advice. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.